Chris, welcome to episode 197 of X-Lapsed, where uh, we are celebrating nine months of X-Lapsed as of today. We started this on September 1st of 2020, and here we are on June 1st of 2021. That's a long time, one of my uh, longest relationships ever, as a matter of fact. Um, let's get into today's book. It is Cable, Volume 4, Number 10, had a June 2021 cover date. The story is called Depression. Written by Jerry Duggan with art by Phil Noto. Led as VC's Joe Sabino, designs Tom Muller, head of X's Hickman. Edits Bisa White-Sabolsky, cover price four bucks. And this one went on sale April 28 of 2021. Now we open with a mostly blank quote page. And it's an ancient proverb from the future attributed to strife. He talks about how it's more important when you kill Cable than how. And uh, I suppose that stands to reason, considering that... Uh, you know, you kill Cable, and he's still bebopping through the timeline somewhere, right? Anyway, from here we go to our double-page spread of Roll Call and Cred. We got three characters here, Cable, Emma Frost, and Cyclops. Now we open with Kid Cable loitering outside the House of X, you know, where, where Xavier lives. He's spying through some binoculars, and he has with him a grenade. Emma Frost sidles over to assure him that there's probably far easier ways to be exiled to the hole... So, uh, wait, so is it kill no human or kill no man? Are, are mutants included if it's kill no human? I think the ship has sailed on this one. Anyway, little Nate assures Emma that it's just knockout gas, and uh, he's not really here to hurt anybody, he just needs to get Cerebro, because he needs to get the other guy back. And I'm not sure if that means that there's a Cerebro backup for Old Man Cable. Or if there's a way Cerebro can see through time. Uh, whatever the case, uh, would this cable be privy to the old man's memories? Could they do a special variation on the Crucible to gift the kid with the memories and experiences of the old man? I really don't know. Anyway, Emma has a goo inside little Nate's mind, and she sees strife. The kid says he made a huge mistake during the extermination event, which uh, we spoke all about at great length during the x the Nation series here on the show. Now, this kind of begs the question, though. It makes us think a little bit. And, you know, why did he have to kill the old man during that story anyway? Couldn't he have just incapacitated him or kidnapped him or put him into stasis? I mean, we know for a fact that the kid had access to stasis tubes during that story. He put, you know, the original five in there, the time-displaced kids, and uh, I think the mimic was in there for a bit, too. Anyway, Emma pops the top off a flask and starts drinking a little bit. Nate asks why Apocalypse would do this to him. Uh, why would he infect him with the techno-organic virus? Why did he create strife in the far-flung future? To which Emma says, hey, why did Apocalypse do any of the things he did? And she reminds him that, uh, 
you know, he is the son of a great captain of Krakoa, and suggests that maybe he has this discussion with him. Oh, and she also tells him that Esme is still mad at him for ditching her last issue. Now, as they vacate the scene, Professor X emerges from his home, and it's not totally clear whether or not he heard what was being said there. Scene shift, and, uh... Who's ready for more Jumbo Carnation and Hellfire Gala hype? Not me, but we're here anyway. Now, Cyclops is being fitted for his ridiculous formal wear, while Jumbo tells him he's going to look great. Cable arrives, and Jumbo tells him that he'll need to do a fitting as well. Thankfully, it doesn't happen right away. And, uh, you know, judging from solicits, it probably never will. Cable asks his father if they can have a chat. Cyclops tells him they're going to have to walk and talk here because he just received a message from Emma about some goings down in London. Turns out there are some Iraqis causing a brouhaha at the pub. Wow, Iraq over. Remember, remember we cared about them? It's nice that at least a couple of our writers remember that. So, through a gateway they go, which, as luck would have it, seems to deposit them right outside the particular pub in question. It's surrounded by the Metro Police, who won't let our heroes anywhere near the ongoing crime scene. Cable hoodoos the duo into police costumes, take that jumbo carnation, and uh, they're allowed to pass. Cyclops cautions Cable about using his powers like that, which seems like one of those things he felt he had to say rather than actually wanted to. He then reminds his boy about the upcoming X-Men election, and how he feels as though Kid Cable would be a great fit. Cable replies, informing Scott that Marvel already spoiled the outcome of the vote online, and everybody already knows the Volume 6 lineup. Well, no, he doesn't actually say that, but I kind of wish he did. So into the pub they go, and we meet Castor and Pollux, two uh, healthy Iraqi women. They've had a night of heavy drinking, and from the looks of it, some heavy violence. Cyclops gives them the option of leaving peaceably, and uh, it comes as no surprise when they do not take him up on that offer. And so, we fight. As they do battle with their respective Iraqi, uh, Cable and Scott telepathically have their chat about strife. Now, Cyclops already knows where this is headed, and he attempts to nip it right in the bud. We ain't bringing the old man back. And uh, there are a handful of reasons why he might feel this way, yes? First, and perhaps most important, to him anyway, he finally has a version of his son running around who's younger than he is. You know, Scott and Old Man Cable had a much weirder father-son dynamic. Kid Cable is one who Scott can mentor and actually be something of a father to. Second, there's that pesky rule about no dupes on Krakoa, which leads to our third reason. Now, the kid is proposing that he head back into the dystopian wasteland future so that he can make sure he becomes the old man, which Cyclops is not keen on. He tells his son that the old man's time is over, and now it's Nate's opportunity to, you know, cut his own path. Oh, and uh, all during this mental chat, the Iraqis are taken out. So, there's that. Info page. Now, this kind of recaps everything related to the old man that we've learned over the years, uh, through extermination and into the Krakoan era. You know, his remains are in Deadpool's pool table. Well, you know, minus the time-traveling arm thing, I guess. Uh, We saw this in Cable number 3. His safe houses were destroyed, which we saw in X-Men The Exterminated Number 1, which we covered in Next Life's Nation. The Greymalkin station remains cloaked. That's something out of the 90s. Strife would compromise Cable's AI, known as the Professor. That was also from the 90s. We also learn that the media is calling this era AK, as in after Krakoa, which is kind of dumb. I mean, aren't there other things going on in the world? 
Uh, now, Strife clones are swiping babies as part of the Order of X. And uh, hey, did y'all know the Hellfire Gala is only days away? Can, can we please stop it? Can we please? Can we get? We can't get a freaking info page without this. Come on. Anyway, we're back to comics and we're back with the old man. It's revealed here that he's carrying the light of Galador, which kind of begs the question: Which old man cable is this anyway? Is this the kid cable who did go back to the dystopian future? Huh. Anyway. He decapitates a would-be attacker in the hole that he fell in an issue or two back, and he threatens to do the same to the other two, and uh, that's where we leave it. Next episode, New Mutants number 17, and boy, it feels like it's been just about 100 years since the last time we looked at New Mutants. Not that I'm too excited to get back to Otherworld, but uh, hey, we'll get there. That's a, that's a conversation for next time. For now, let's talk about this third-to-last issue of Cable. Well, there's not a whole heck of a lot to say here, is there? Um, I enjoyed it, but it's one of those things where, yeah, I liked it, but what do you say about it? We did get a neat little uh, discussion between Scott and uh, Nate. I thought that was pretty pretty well done. I like that uh, it feels like they're both being uh, somewhat selfish, but kind of masking it in altruism. You know, Scott might know that the best thing for the world or the best thing for this present crisis is for his son to go back into the future and bring back the old man, but, well, he doesn't want to let the young version go just yet, you know. Um, and uh, Cable, you know, he's, he's putting his, you know, uh, comfort in the forefront here. He wants to do right and doesn't think that he has it in him to uh, to win the day, so he needs the old man back. It's... A pretty interesting quandary here uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how this thing plays out here I'm really wondering how uh, we're going to dismiss the kid And just how we're all going to react to the uh, to the dismissal Or the exiling to the far-flung future I think it's going to be a pretty, perhaps, um, you know, heart-rending little affair there I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to it now, we also get the reveal that the old man in the, you know, other place, other time uh, timeline here has with him the light of Galador, which old man Cable never had, right? So the closest thing he had was that weird, like, spear. I think they called it, like, the the scimitar, but it was, like, spelled like psy, like psychic, like scimitar. Um, he had that in the lead-up to the, uh, the 12 storyline around the turn of the century. It was... Uh, Something he carried, I, I don't remember where he got it It's been forever since I read that But uh, that's the closest thing to a non-gun uh, Regular armament that we've seen uh, Cable hold So seeing him with the Light of Galador Now tells us that perhaps this cable that we've been reading For the past, uh, was it, ten issues now In the uh, in the Red World Might be just a uh, an aged version of the one that we've been reading in the main story here Just uh, a kid cable who went back to the dystopia and aged, you know But only now he has uh, he has the Light of Galador by his side Other than that, not a whole heck of a lot to say I mean, Phil Noto is still Phil Noto, and that's fantastic uh, Jerry Duggan's still Jerry Duggan, and that's also fantastic um, Like I've been saying over the past several episodes I wish we would cool it a little bit with the Hellfire Gala stuff for me, anyway, it's having like the reverse effect on uh, what I think it's supposed to be. Or it's like I don't want to hear it. 
I understand we're getting a month of it at least. Um, I don't need to see it in almost every book we cover now, just to, as a lead up. It's almost one of those things that I wish they would have just given us like a free comic book day, um, you know, lead into the Hellfire Gala where we can watch people get, you know, sized up for their for their crazy outfits there. You know, we can do all the talk in there and a little freebie. Or even just a one-shot, uh, so long as it's not a $5 one-shot, but I don't think those sort of things exist anymore. Anyway, I'm taking the scenic route here just to say I'm tired of all the Hellfire Gala stuff, and uh, we've got a lot of it to cover uh, in the uh, coming episodes here, so... Uh, the fatigue is real, but uh, that'll do it for my thoughts on this issue of Cable. It was a fun issue. I'm really, really enjoying this series, and I will definitely miss it when it's gone. Now, we don't have any mailbag today, but considering this is the first of the month, we're going to be taking a look into Marvel previews to see what books will be headed our way in July. This is all coming from uh, Marvel Free Previews number 11, May for July 2021. And on our covers, our front cover is Moon Knight. So I guess we're giving Moon Knight another try, huh? Never been a big fan of Moon Knight. I always, uh, I think this is a common thing when people talk about Moon Knight. We talk about how we love the design, but, you know, then then the bell has to ring, right? Then the story has to start, and uh, I've never been, never been thrilled enough with Moon Knight to stick around very, very long. Um, I remember when I was growing up, uh, Moon Knight was huge because of uh, Stephen Platt on the art. So people would go nuts uh, tracking those books down, and, I mean, they still... Demand uh, a pretty penny even, you know, 30 years later But nobody talks about the stories, you know Nobody really mentions what was going on inside the book It was all about that plat artwork, which was fantastic, right? It was really, really cool looking uh, On the bright side here, Jed McKay is writing Who, we enjoyed his stuff on Black Cat So maybe, yeah, maybe this will be alright I won't be trying it uh, But, uh, hey, if you do, hey, best to you Back cover has X-Men Volume 6, number 1, which, uh, well, we're going to be talking about right now. Let's get into the solicits here. X-Men number 1, Volume 6, of course. These X-Men are fearless, is our tagline. Jerry Duggan, Pepe Larraz, $5. Into the blurb, uh, the heroes of Krakoa are here to save the planet. Things might seem complicated between the nation of Krakoa and the rest of the world, but to the X-Men, things are simple. You do what's right. You protect those who need protecting, and you save the world we all share. Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Sunfire, Rogue, Wolverine, Sink, and Polaris are the chosen champions of mutant kind, and they will not shrink away from any battle for their home planet. Holy run-on sentences. Um, and, uh, huh. Two uses of the word planet. Hmm... Can't say that I'm a big fan of that, considering uh, I don't want space stuff. I really don't want space stuff. Can we just get X-Men stories? Um, now, the cover is a fairly generic but beautiful action scene, um, though, in fairness, it's only one of the 700 or so covers that this book will ship with. We do get four pages of interior pencils, and you know, they all look great, uh, if not a little bit generic. Uh, some giant monster or robot appears to be attacking the city, and the X-Men leap into battle. Nothing we haven't seen before, nothing we haven't seen before many, many times, but uh, hey, we're going to see it again. I am definitely looking forward to it. Uh, I just hope it stays uh, with its feet planted on Earth, at least for a little while here. Next up, X-Men Legends number 5, which we probably won't be covering on the show, but for completionist's sake, we'll mention it here. Our headline is, Peter David returns to place a missing piece of the X-Factor puzzle. Peter David, Todd Knock, 4 bucks. Mutants have taken hostages, and X-Factor is taking the blame. 
But before judgment is rendered for Polaris, Havoc, Wolfsbane, Strong Guy, Quicksilver, and Madrox the Multiple Man, Val, Cooper, and X-Factor will take the stand. But who's telling the truth and what really went down at the Latvarian Embassy? It all makes sense from a certain point of view. Hot courtroom action. Well, if this was anyone but Peter David, I'd probably be worried, but uh, I have uh, all the faith in the world that he can make this uh, quite entertaining. Next up, X-Corp number three. Headline reads, Multiple Men, Multiple Solutions. Teeny Howard, Valentine, Delandro, Four Bucks. Blurb reads, he's everywhere you want to be, he's never not in the office, and his direct reports always fall in line. How does X-Corp meet their nearly impossible quotas with maximum synergy and minimal bandwidth? They've got Jamie Madrix, and he is the world's best boss. So, hot boardroom action. Uh, Well, since it's Teeny Howard, I think I'm worried. Uh, (laughs) I've mentioned this every time we've covered uh, X-Corp in passing here. I'm not looking forward to this at all. As if the line isn't bloated enough as it is, we really need a series with uh, Warren Worthington and Monet St. Croix in uh, in boardrooms. Really? Now, worth noting, I do like the cover here. Um, The cover has like a Michael Scott from The Office vibe to it. Uh, We got Jamie holding a coffee mug with uh, the words, World's Best Bosses on it. That's pretty cute. Um, Don't know if it's worth four bucks for you, (laughs) if you're not... If you're not a completionist and you don't have a uh, podcast where you talk about every single book regardless, um, you may not need it, but uh, we'll get there when we get there. Next up, Way of X number four. The headline reads, Kill no man, but some exceptions may apply. Cy Spurrier, Bob Quinn, four bucks. Nightcrawler must act fast to avoid catastrophe as the laws of Krakoa and physics are tested to their limits. Also, a nice family bonding sesh with no violent repercussions. Just kidding, this is Xavier versus Legion in a boozed-up tiki bar with the sanity of mutant kind at stake. Well, this sounds like fun, doesn't it? Um, I mean, I there's, there's like no limit to the amount of nice things I can say about that first issue of Way of X. It's already bought a ton of goodwill with me here. Um, definitely looking forward to this here. I like these... This seems like it might be a quieter issue, uh, despite the, you know, the bombast of a, uh, you know, Xavier and Legion confrontation here. I do wonder if this is going to be like a heartfelt conversation between the two. I mean, people say things when they're drunk, right? That's when some truth and honesty might slip out. So this could be a lot of fun. Definitely looking forward to it. The cover has Nightcrawler getting in between Professor X and Legion while the uh, eyes of Krakoa look on. Children of the Atom number five. Kota's been captured, reads our headline. Uh, Vida Ayala, Paco Medina, four bucks. The, the blurb is, someone is out for revenge on the X-Men, and you'll never guess who. The Children of the Atom, caught in the crossfires of the war on mutants, need a hero. And that hero might just be among them. Boy, I wonder if it's that guy Cole that we've seen a few times so far. Uh, we do finally get a cover that doesn't blend into the rest. And that's probably because the Coda kids make up very little of it. It's uh, mostly, you know, famous characters, uh, more more popular mutants here, and and also Maggot, which will make our friend Evan Bevins very very happy. Um, next up, Hellions thirteen, which first of all, whew, it didn't get canceled. That's a good thing. <laughs> the headline reads: Don't worry, Mister Sinister is fine. Zeb Wells, Rose Antonio, four bucks. The blurb continues that statement with, eh, not really. 
and it looks like his clone is returning to Krakoa to claim the cape, and also destroy the Hellions. So, is this the Sinister from the Exit 10 story? The one that was killed by, uh, by uh, Tarn the Uncaring and his horde there? I wonder, uh, will the Hellions find out that Sinister set them up and then, you know, killed them? I, I definitely am looking forward to this. I can't wait. That sounds like it's going to be a really, really good one. Sword number seven. Headline reads, The morning after the night before. Al Ewing, Valerio Shidi, four bucks. The Hellfire Gala is over, but not all the guests have gone home. Victor Von Doom is staying for dinner. He's chatting to an old friend in a very new setting about thrones, empires, magic, mysterium, and the last annihilation. So there's our lead-in to the latest cosmic-level event that we're going to be sucked into. Um, I mean, Doom is fun. Definitely fun. Uh, But I can't say as I'm necessarily chomping at the bit for this issue here. Uh, I guess we'll see. I'll reserve judgment till we get there. I mean, I haven't seen Al Ewing's take on Doom, but I think he'd probably have a good voice for him. So that uh, that could be a lot of fun. And maybe we'll find out what the hell Mysterium is, you know? Or maybe we'll just be totally enraptured with this story and be ready to jump in both feet to the uh, last annihilation and everything that comes with it. Probably not, but we'll, we'll play it by ear. Wolverine number 14, The Usual Suspects, is our headline. Benjamin Percy, Adam Cubitt, four bucks, so Adam Cubitt's back. The blurb reads, Stolen goods, a torch ship, a missing sword, Wolverine's on the case, but what games, what mind games is Solemn playing? The new ex-villain comes into his own in this arc, so that's a that's a good thing. Uh, Solemn is back. We met him during you know the lead up to X of Tens, of course, and I think we've been expecting him to return since X of Tens wrapped up like a hundred years ago. So definitely down for it. I figure he probably still has his blade. Uh, don't know if Wolverine does. It might be somewhere on Krakoa. So looks like we're in for a round two. Just so long as it doesn't happen in Hell, I'm I'm down with it. Uh, X-Force, number 21, Fear of a Green Planet. Ben Percy, Robert Gill, four bucks. Beast plants the seeds, X-Force pulls the weeds, but not if man slaughter has anything to say about it. And the cover features X-Force getting beat up by a man-thing-looking monster. I'm guessing that's man slaughter, but uh, just another uh, vegetative threat for X-Force. I feel like every other arc we're dealing with... um, some plant-based uh, bad guys, so here's more of that. New Mutants number 20, Weekend at Xavier's. Vita Ayala, Alex Linz, four bucks. In the heart of the wild hunt, schemers are dreaming. Deceptions are coming to light, and the dead are walking. Just another day on Krakoa for the New Mutants. Well, first thing that sticks out is no Rodriguez, so that's too bad. Um, no mention of Otherworld either, so maybe that story wrapped up already? Fingers crossed. Uh, the cover has Amal Farouk looming over Scout, which, uh, I mean, that's been the strongest part of this series to this point, so I'm definitely intrigued to see how that plays out. Maraud is number 22. The past can still burn you. Jerry Duggan, Matteo Lali, four bucks. The Hellfire Gala may be over, but the flames of Hellfire past come licking at the heels of the Inner Circle. And it's worth noting here, the cover is actually a callback to Marauders number 2, However, instead of Sebastian Shaw, like, back-to-back with Emma as the Black King, it looks like we might have ourselves a Black Queen. I'm not entirely sure if it's Celine Gallo, though. Um, 
Worth noting, she does get a little uh, little sketch in the uh, the Hellfire Gala guide, that little freebie that Marvel put out a few weeks ago. So, yeah, it could be Saline. Excalibur number twenty-two, The Tower and the Storm. Teeny Howard, Marcus Toe, four bucks. The blurb reads: With Captain Britain and Excalibur reunited, other world is their domain. Well, F me running. Um, an escort mission reveals deep political unrest among Saturnine's court, and a beautiful sacrifice—a brutal sacrifice—bears fruit. Anybody care? Anybody? Um, mm. uh, worth noting, Rogue is not on the cover, so for her sake, I can only hope she escaped this horrible book when she uh, joined the X-Men. <sighs> Guardians of the Galaxy number sixteen: The Last Annihilation starts here. Al Ewing won for Gary four bucks. The entire galaxy is under attack. What again? The likes of which haven't been seen since Annihilus first waged war. So, <laughs> nothing like Empire King in Black then, right? Now, five different planets are simultaneously under threat from a mysterious foe. This is what the new Guardians were built to do. But will it be too much? This summer, the war to end all wars begins. And not everyone's going to come home I feel like we've already read this one Like at least a half dozen times, right? Um, I'm going to throw this in the DCBS order just in case uh, But if there's no sword in it right away I'm not sure we'll be devoting an entire episode to it We might just use what happens in it as kind of a catch-up For when sword does get involved So I guess we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on that we got a ton of collected editions uh, being offered this month here. We have the Excalibur Omnibus Volume 2, uh, Alan Davis, Scott Lobdell, etc. This includes Excalibur number 35 through 67, a trio of uh, prestige format one-shots here, Excalibur Weird War 3, Excalibur Heir Apparent, and Excalibur XX Crossing. We've got Sensational She-Hulk number 26, and uh, materials from Marvel Comics presents issues 75 and 110. This sucker is going to weigh in at 1,080 pages and have a $125 price tag. Next up, a Captain Britain omnibus. Uh, Chris Claremont, Alan Davis, Alan Moore, Dave Thorpe, etc. This includes Captain Britain 1 through 39. Super Spider-Man and Captain Britain issues 231 to 247. Hulk comic number one, then number three through 46. Incredible Hulk weekly, issues 47 to 55, then 57 to 63. Marvel superheroes number 377 to 388. Daredevils one through 11. The Mighty World of Marvel, issues seven through 16. Captain Britain, volume two, I guess, one through 14. Marvel Tales, 131 through 133. Marvel team up, issues 65 and 66. New Mutants Annual number 2, and X-Men Annual number 11. Now, when uh, we started the uh, X-Lapsed Origins series over at Chris's on Infinite Earths, we started with the Marvel superheroes uh, right about in the middle of this thing here. These are uh, short stories. That's why there's so many of them. Uh, you know, they're anywhere between four to eight pages long, usually. So it's a lot of stuff there. This, uh, this omnibus weighs in at 1,368 pages of stuff that... I'm guessing a lot of us haven't read, or not in its entirely any, entirety anyway, so that might be a, uh, well, I can't say it's $125 well spent, but if you find it at, uh, you know, DCBS or, you know, in stock trades for half of that, 
maybe it might be worth it. We've got the Curse of the Man-Thing trade paperback. Steve Orlando, Francesco Mobley, Marco Fila, and Andrea Bricardo. Now, this collects the three Curse of the Man-Thing number ones. Now, now the story that we're actually going to discuss from this on the show ought to have a big old number three on it, but it doesn't. And I'm not going to reward Marvel's bad behavior by buying the Avengers and Spider-Man issues. We're just going to have to hope that when we get to it, they do a good enough job recapping the first two issues. Um, otherwise, I mean, who cares? It's man thing. 112 pages, $16. Now we have a whole bunch of uh, current year stuff being collected. X-Men by Jonathan Hickman, Volume 3. This collects X-Men Volume 5, 16 through 20, 136 pages, 16 bucks. Hellions by Zeb Wells, Volume 2, collecting Hellions 7 through 12, 160 pages, 17.99. New Mutants by Vida Ayala, Volume 1, collects New Mutants 14 through 18, 136 pages, 16 bucks. X-Force by Ben Percy, Volume 3, collects X-Force 15 through 20 and Wolverine number 13, 184 pages, 20 bucks. X-Factor by Leah Williams, Volume 2, of 2 apparently. This collects X-Factor issues 6 through 10, 136 pages, 16 bucks. Marauders by Jerry Duggan, Volume 3, collects Marauders 16 through 20, 136 pages, 16 bucks. Excalibur by Teeny Howard, Volume 3, collects Excalibur 16 through 21, 160 pages, 18 bucks. Reign of X, Volume 2. Now, this collects New Mutants, number 14, Marauders, number 16, Excalibur 16, X Force 15 and 16, and X Men, number 17. 116, 160 pages, 18 bucks. Then we also have a like a pre-order here for Reign of X Volume 3, which will be available in August. This collects Marauders 17, New Mutants 15, Cable 7, Wolverine 8 and 9. 160 pages, 18 bucks. Worth uh, noting for completionism here, we do have the Mighty Marvel Masterworks, the X-Men Volume 1, which reprints the first 10 issues of X-Men from uh, 1963 to 1965 or so. 240 pages for 16 bucks. That's not a bad price for that many pages. So if you've never read those early issues or never read them in color like like I haven't, um, this one might be worth uh, snagging, especially if you can get it at a uh, deep discount. That's almost giving it away. So let's go week to week here and find out what we'll be spending to keep up with these books. Now, July 7th of 2021, we have Children of the Atom number 5, Hellions number 13, X-Force 21, and X-Men Volume 6 number 1. That's a $17 week. July 14th, 2021, we have Excalibur 22, Way of X number 4, and X Corp number 3. $12, and oh boy, um, outside of Way of X, that's a rough week, isn't it? Um, now, 721-21, we've got Marauders 22, New Mutants number 20, X-Men Legends number 5, and Guardians of the Galaxy number 16. So... Depending on your mileage here, it could be an $8 week if you leave out X-Men Legends and Guardians of the Galaxy, or it could be a $16 week if you get them both. Finally, uh, 728-21, we got Sword number 7 and Wolverine number 14, so only $8 for the final week here. All, all told, 53 bucks, which sadly is a very, very cheap month. It's to the point where I almost feel like I'm leaving something out. But that will do it for today. Uh, if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can do so several different ways. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics, Instagram at 90sXmen, or you can shoot an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You could also call into the brand new X-Lapsed voicemail. You can call 
or 623-396-JERK. You know, as in Professor X is a... The number went live uh, about a day or two ago. We already have a a couple of uh, voicemails in there, so I'm looking forward to getting to those real, real soon. Uh, You can head over to chrisisoninfiniteearth.com for uh, blog posts and show notes, and you can head to Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men. And finally, for all your Chris and Reggie comic commentary listening needs, you can head over to chrisandreggie.podbean.com. And uh, if you like what you hear there, or at least appreciate the effort behind it, I would love for you to spread the word and share the show and all that good stuff. It would really, really mean a lot to me. Now, that's where we will leave it. I would like to thank you all so much for allowing me to be part of your day-to-day. I really, really appreciate it. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. Oh